podcasts from the cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. Today we're talking to the Managing Director of an established business based near Alsager, incorporated in 2016 and eventually launched in 2018. Our guest today started her career in the corporate world of food retail, where she was Senior Commercial Manager for the co-op for 10 years. She's now the Managing Director of her own company, Semper Hopkins Upholstery and Interiors Limited, And in the hot seat today, we're extremely pleased to welcome Emma Semper-Hopkins. Emma, welcome to Business Brunch. Good morning and thank you for the welcome. You worked in food retail for 15 years. Um, You were a a senior commercial manager for the co-op, as I've said, for, for 10 years. So tell us why you chose food retail as a career move and share with us more about the work you were doing and the transferable skills that you developed. Well, when I first started, um, I'm going to be honest, when I left university, I sort of fell into food retail. I didn't really know it existed until I started looking for new jobs. Um, Before I worked at the co-op, I worked at Netto and um, Morrison's, working my up way up from a trainee buyer to a buyer and then when I moved over to the co-op I started in commercial trading not knowing what you do know about food retail it's a really exciting background Um, you do lots of different things in the role and every day is different from meeting suppliers setting prices managing big big budgets Um, but it was just always really interesting working from a customer angle um, knowing what they wanted within the food ranges we got to do quite a bit of travel as well Um, and I found it really interesting um, understanding how products came to life from understanding the source um, and working all the way through to getting it to the retail shelf. Now you've said that you kind of fell into the the, the role but um, you must be a driven individual to, to rise up the ranks Did that come natural to you or or were you uh, approached and given extra training? I'd probably say I'm a natural um, born driver in terms of I looked for those career changes um, and it was actually when I was looking to move over to be with my now husband, I was looking for that next move. Um, I'd always loved the co-op in terms of its ethics and sustainability Um, and when I was looking for that next move, um, they were the top of the list and it was just waiting for a job opportunity to come along. And just give us a a flavour of of the transferable skills that you've developed over the time you've been in food retail. So many skills um, from managing financial budgets, from understanding how to launch a product, um, from managing stakeholders, managing a team. I think every aspect of business I learnt now as an entrepreneur, but just what I'm managing myself is on a much smaller scale being in business. And taking that step into self-employment, it's a, it's a huge decision and, um, and it's a, it is a big step. So obviously you're moving from a secure income into something that is far less secure to begin with. How did you manage that step? With a, a lot of it at the beginning was budgeting um, to be able to manage that financial change. Um, I was dependent on my husband for a bit of the time um, whilst we did that transition because obviously in the early stages of my business I was ploughing a lot of the money back into um, the redevelopment of the chapel. Um, so really it was just managing managing our budget, being very close together in terms of that husband relationship Um, and it isn't for the faint-hearted not having that regular income it was a big brave step to take but I wouldn't change it now for anything. 
And, and as you've said, it, it is a brave step. And you do need some financial buffering, don't you, whilst you're establishing the business. When you actually made the step, did it feel a natural thing for you to do or was it was it very, very anxious time? Um, I think at the time I had to make that brave step because um, personally for health, I couldn't do everything. I think I was at that burnout stage because I was a very, um, I was a new mum, had a young child. Um, I'd gone back into a full-time role whilst also setting up my business. And I thought I could manage it for longer than I did. But to be honest, something had to give. Um, And it had turned out all my energy and passion I wanted to put into my business and I couldn't do everything. So it was a hard decision to make and... But it was, I think, for personal reasons, it had to be sooner rather than later. Yeah. Okay. So you, you've you made the decision to leave. And in 2016, as I said in, to, in your introduction, you, you incorporated your business. You, you purchased an old chapel that uh, was originally built. I did a little bit of research and it was built in 1892. Uh, so it's quite an old building, but the uh, the Victorians were, were, I think, exceptionally good builders. So um, you probably bought something that will last forever, I would think. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that became the home and the workplace of Sema, uh, Semper Hopkins upholstery. So tell us how you've adapted this wonderful old building to make it fit for purpose and, and briefly compare your standalone building with uh, what would be now well-insulated business unit? I suppose I've got no fair comparison to compare a brand new um, business unit, but I can I can obviously visualise what that looks like. But I've always loved old buildings from a personal point of view. We've always lived in old houses. Um, I've loved the Victorian era of design and it just felt like a natural home for us to have our business running from. Um, like you say, they are well built. Structurally, we only had to do a bit of work to the outside of the chapel in terms of Um, fixing the roof and doing some work to the windows and it has been like an evolution Um, when we first bought it um, it was more cosmetic doing the work inside um, installing electricity um, and proper heating systems because like you can understand a lot of old chapels just have fan heaters or they give a breath out and then it doesn't actually do anything substantially Um, and then over the years we've invested and re-rendered the whole of the outside of the property as well Um, so it's it's just been a labour of love and we really see ourselves as the the custodians of that building looking after it for another generation for somebody else to take it over potentially in the future. As you've already alluded to, that I think the Victorians were supreme at building, but um, they tended to be cold, drafty places <laughs> uh, and with metal windows, maybe. And, We've got um, wooden windows. You've got yep. So when you actually walked in, did it not put you off at all? Or did you feel, no, this is going to be our home? There was a couple of things about it. It's actually on the boundary of our home, so it's next door to my home. So it just felt naturally... It was some like somebody just meant to be. Um, so it just seemed right, as in it was next to my home and it was we'd lived next to it, so we'd heard the people in the chapel actually singing. So we were somewhat attached to it um, to start off with. Um, it probably came along a little bit earlier than I was anticipating because obviously the business was relatively new and we weren't looking to acquire something as early on um, in the business stages, but it just felt right. Now you bought the place at auction. How um, that that must have been quite an experience as well, because you're never actually certain 
Are you at any point in an auction? No. So. Um, well, actually, it was my parents that actually invested in the property um, for me. Um, but we did try to get it before it went to auction. Um, but um, there weren't any negotiations happening. So we had to face into it. And we'd set a budget as to what we were willing to go to. So it was a little bit of a, an anxious moment, but very exciting at the same time. Emma, when you launched your business in 2018, you initially specialised in customised upholstery and your own range of custom-made industrial-style furniture. So tell us more about these services and how you've subsequently developed your business. Um, so when I first started uh, my own training in upholstery, I loved the transformation of old furniture, um, specifically family heirlooms or chairs that had a bit of history attached to them. Um, I didn't really do any sort of upholstery of three-piece suites and I did a little bit of modern furniture um, purely because I loved seeing the transformation from old to new and especially when somebody trusted you with a family heirloom it was very special giving it a new lease of life um, but the other aspect of the business that I love is um, the design having the creativity to put together our own ranges um, and it kind of grew from well it was freestanding furniture so we did ranges of bar stools and we did dining tables and seating so benches and dining chairs up through to some storage units as well all of it was industrial um because that's the one of the one of the parts of design that i love um, and i love reclaimed wood as well so it was combining all aspects of design that i actually like and transforming it into our own ranges and people buy from what they can see um so we we would build a prototype and then we would custom make it so they could choose from ranges of fabrics and they could change elements of for example a dining table choose from selections of wood and make it fit to size because um, I know from having our own home um, with it being old a lot of modern stuff doesn't fit um, and it's getting things to fit into the style and of eclectic that um, those customers wanted. Uh, and of course, it doesn't matter how much stuff you've got on display, customers will come in and ask for something else. So do, do you respond to that? Absolutely. If somebody's got a picture of or, or an idea, we would usually they would see something of what we've had and then um, got their own ideas and we'd be able to incorporate it into what we would do. Um, that's very much what we were wanting customers um, to do. That's the service that we offered. And having sold to a customer... How do you how do you keep in touch with them? How do you make sure you maintain that connection? We would do it obviously just through personal keeping keeping in touch, um, sending emails out to customers. It because um, we found a lot of customers would come back um, when especially if they're doing up the homes, and we'd get a lot of repeat custom from clients as well, and a lot of the clients that I've had over the years I'm actually now teaching them to do furniture themselves so it's having those long-standing relationships because a big part of what we did is um, customer service we would show, take them through the whole journey sharing sh sharing pictures of their um, furniture coming to life and um, we would also involve them in key parts of the decision making as well so we wouldn't just do it from the beginning and give them it at the end we would bring them in halfway through just to make sure they were happy with what we were doing because um, they were spending big sums of money with us and it was very personal to them especially if we were being involved in a renovation or they were doing an extension for example um, they're off obviously doing a lot of the work with us before their finished product like their homes being finished um, so it's it's keeping in touch with them every step of the way. 
and you've been trading five years now. Uh, has your um, has your stock changed in the way it looks, or is it are you, is it still industrial style? It's still industrial style. Um, we've changed a little bit in terms of fabrics. Um, We'll, we'll probably talk about a bit, little bit later, but we've always involved um, like sustainable and eco-friendly um, fabrics. And uh, as they've become more and more available, I've probably been moving more over to that side of things. But yeah, it's always evolving because there's always new trends coming out. But I'd say the core of what we do has stayed the same. And how do you stay ahead of those trends? Um, I'd probably say it's more around what individuals are wanting rather than... Um, going with a trend um, because a lot of trends are cyclical and the comeback round so what was once trendy 30 years ago is probably raising its head again Um, like 30 or 40 years later we're very much more aligned to what customers are wanting making sure it's fit for purpose um, looking at what they're how they live who's involved in the family and making sure that they're getting a piece of furniture that's fit for now and for the future so some companies develop a, a network of third-party firms to support specific aspects of their business, whilst others prefer to do as much as possible in-house. And I, w- I wouldn't pretend to know what the split is, but I've interviewed a lot of business owners uh, and there appears to be you know, a fairly even split. So Emma, you chose the former and you have a strong support network. So share with us some of these areas of support and how you expect this to progress over the, over time? So I probably have a split of, um, I've always had um, in-house admin support and I did um, over the past couple of years have interns helping me with things like social media and um, marketing, that side of things, because really that is very close to, to heart and you I work closely with those people internally, um, whereas external networks, I've got a really good accountant, I've got a really good relationship with my web developer and SEO, um, because originally when I first started out, I was trying to do everything myself, but then you almost stop yourself from growing, trying to do every um, task possible. So it's looking at where you need help and investing in those relationships. Um, And for me, that that now is invaluable. And it's the same with administrative support. Um, It's having that right hand, almost being able to just help, ask for help, pass things over, um, so you can focus on um, driving the business forward or otherwise it'd stagnate and I'd be stopping myself from growing. So most businesses have three essential departments, sales and marketing, admin and operations. So would you have a specific area of expertise or or do you wear all three hats? I do a bit of everything. You do? (laughs) (laughs) And as the business has changed, I've had to... um, because obviously we're, we're evolved, we've evolved again over the last couple of years where my business focus is and I've had to take on roles which I'd previously um, delegated out. I'm now doing some of those things myself. So I've, I, I can have fingers in every pie, but to be honest, I like to learn the process and once I understand it myself, I can then train somebody else to be able to take that on. If I don't fully understand it, I don't know what I'm asking of people and that's probably one of the transferable skills. Again, when I was in retail, um, when you become a manager, you don't need to be a specialist in the areas that you've got the team support with, but you do need to understand to be able to ask the questions and get the best out of the team that you're working with. Podcasts from the Cat. So Emma, in your own words, uh, you and your team are on a mission 
to empower individuals with skills so that they can reupholster their own furniture or second-hand pieces, giving them a new lease of life. So uh, you clearly have a passion for upholstery and ensuring that your business is eco-friendly. So tell us more about your mission and the workshops that you deliver. So... I started um, teaching back in, well, just coming out of COVID. So in 2021, um, a lot of my clients had been asking me when I was going to start um, teaching workshops. And to be honest, it had just been, been a matter of time. Um, and the more and more that I've done, the more and more I realise that I love um, showing people how to upholster their own pieces of furniture. Um, and I'm very much focused on helping homeowners and hobbyists because that's where I first started out. There's not just the physical element of seeing a piece of furniture come to life. I also find upholstery a very mindful um, activity. For me, it was it became a hobby but it was also a stress reliever from a busy day job having somewhere where I could turn my hand to on an evening for an hour or so pick up my tools and just start working on a project you could say it's very very similar to um, doing sewing or knitting or art being an artist being able to just pick up something and have something for yourself so there's a number of things that I love teaching people it's not just the physical um, showing them how to create a piece of furniture but it's also finding something for themselves because I do teach a lot of um, ladies especially that have been mums being grandparents had a job um, and then they come into me and they say they find that they haven't got something for them and so it's them experiencing upholstery and seeing whether it's actually an activity that they'd like to take on to do more with. You're actually passing on information to people and as you, in your own words you're teaching. Is that something that comes natural to you or did you have any training? It just came naturally to me. Um, in my old job I did have to do a lot of training um, and I I was obviously a manager and I was leading and mentoring um, staff and it's just come naturally to me. I love passing on and sharing knowledge and that's something that's natural to me. I wouldn't naturally just keep something to myself. I'm always wanting to tell other people about it. Um, so I'd just say it just comes naturally. Now, th this is a little sensitive, this question, but we did discuss it off air. So your intellectual properties, your knowledge about upholstery and the quality of the work and the, the passion behind it you're passing all that on through these workshops to to potential customers perhaps does that not make you fearful of losing them as, as customers no because there's always things that you can learn um, and we said earlier that if everybody wanted to be running their own business and um, making money from it everybody would be doing it but it's not that easy to do um, whereas I very much love um, sharing my skills and knowledge with others um, and there's always things that you can learn so those customers that have been once to a workshop often come back. And do they ever come back and, and buy something off you? Or would they, would they make it themselves? Um, I'd probably say it's a mixture. If they find that they can't actually do it themselves, I'm there to offer a helping hand if the project's too big. Um, but I'm trying to upskill them to be able to do small projects in their home. Um, I'm trying to show people how to sustainably style and make their homes their happy place because um, that's one of the things that I love personally myself. And what kind of feedback do you get from the, from the workshops? Everybody loves it. Um, everybody comes out glowing, not only seeing their piece of finished furniture, but it's actually the um, 
it's actually the energy that it gives them. Um, it gives them almost like a physical release because um, they come in thinking that they might not be able to do it. Um, they've got that fear in the mind because um, a, lo a lot of people haven't made some things from early days like being at school. So actually to be able to start and make something from start to finish in a day it's a big objective but when they see it's possible that gives them the confidence um, not just to do that but also do other things. Emma you have a son of seven years so share with us how you ensure that you have a work-life balance and and what advice would you give parents of young families who are considering starting their own business? It's having a support network around you. Um, we said earlier that we're um, very fortunate that we've got the support of both sets of grandparents. Um, when I set up my business, it was purely um, to have that family balance um, in terms of work and work and personal life. And I'd probably say that I've put my personal life ahead of um, my business in some aspects. I make sure we have time off at every school holiday. We balance out um, taking Alfie to school. So we manage that between myself and my husband because um, he's also self-employed. And it's just remembering the reason why you set up a business in the first place. And my why is my family. Um, it was to give us that better quality of life. I didn't want to be not seeing him grow up. Um, I love our little walks to school on a morning. Um, having that 10 minute conversation just brightens up your day and seeing him grow and develop into a lovely human being. And when you strike that balance, do you find uh, you don't have any problems in making it happen? There's, there's never any overlap. There's a juggle. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Um, we're always constantly having to have conversations to say where is one of us, and, and week by week looking through the diary to just make sure because things change. Even though we've got a routine, um, it has to change because Dave might have a meeting somewhere. Like this morning, I'm I'm here with you. Um, but it's just about communication and Alfie understanding. Like if there's a change of routine, he'll be like, "Mummy's on the radio this morning," and he said, "Is Mummy famous?" and says yeah I'm famous I'm on the radio I'm, I'm joking but just living in his little world it's just because um, not everybody's as fortunate to have these circumstances but I'm going to be honest it's only you that can make it happen um, and it's with dedication and remembering the reasons why you've done something um, it comes back to that. And if you were to give a, a piece of advice to a parent who's thinking of starting a business what would you say? Um, have your support network around you. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you will find that what you were able to do in a job that you had a, a network around you before, you need to you need to build that network again unless you're stepping into the same world as, as of what you've stepped out of because um, it can be quite a lonely place working by yourself. Um, so it's having those people that you can lean on um, and just don't do it. Don't hold things in your head because carrying those problems around internally doesn't help anyone. Now, Emma, you've recently been involved in a very special book collaboration where all of the proceeds were directed to a mental health charity. So share with us how you became involved and whether you may eventually take your writing skills to um, another level. 
So I was involved in a network, um, well, a female group network, and the um, collaborator of the book, um, Catherine Jane Massey, had done a book the previous year, and I'd seen the book collaboration, and it had really interested me. Um, so the following year, she was um, on social media, she was talking about doing another book collaboration, and she was looking for people to be involved. Um, so that's originally how it caught my eye. There is another part to the story that... This was um, the year that I actually turned 40, um, so I'd set myself a challenge to get involved with more opportunities and get out of my own way and start saying yes to more things, because I'm going to be honest, sometimes fear has held me back from growing personally and in confidence, and that's a little bit about what the book chapter's around as well. And it is a collaboration, so there are, there is, uh, is it 10 or 15 other, other writers involved? Yeah, there was 15 of us all together. Did you get to meet some of the other authors? Yeah, so from the initial part, we were meeting over um, on, so, well, online through Zoom calls, um, and we all got to meet um, at an official book launch party last year, so on launch day. Was that an opportunity as well to compare what you were doing in life? Yeah, I'd definitely say form friendships out of that book collaboration. Um, it was a very personal thing to do and we were all there support each other. And were any of them in business as well? Yep, a lot of the ladies that are in the book are in business. So we everybody's got a completely different story and it's not necessarily business related. I'd probably say it's more personally related. Um, and it we all did it because we wanted to inspire others out there to be able to take that brave step. And having had a little dabble at, at writing, is that something that you might pursue later in life? Yep, I actually love writing. Um, I find it very cathartic. Um, I much prefer writing blogs and um, that type of thing to put myself on a video screen and having to do a live video and social media. I like getting lost in words. I find it a very therapeutic thing. So yes, don't. it's definitely something I'm going to consider in the future. Okay, Emma, now your, your future goals include to grow your business through B2B, through B2C, online, and also in-person workshops and retreats and team building days. So it's a huge task. Tell us how you intend to achieve your goals. By having a plan, um, it's broken down into achievable goals because obviously, yes, I have set myself quite a task, but a lot of those parts of my business are already existing. It's just growing, growing them to a part um, where I suppose I'm moving income over from the areas of the business that I used to do, which was customised upholstery and custom-made furniture, into teaching. Um, so sharing my skills with um, individuals and homeowners, but also inspiring on the business to business side, showing businesses the positivities of creativity um, in a workplace is a big goal for me because I think there's so much from taking people out of the workplace, um, putting them in a creative experience and giving them that time out. Um, there's such an opportunity there and it's a very different um, team building experience to what people are usually used to. And you would expect if you were going to a workshop, you'd be part of a group and it would be hands-on is it possible to do those things over the internet yes so um 12 months ago i learned well went took myself off on a on a retreat or a business working weekend to learn how to um deliver an online course um so learning how to um teach what i do in 
um, an online experience through videos and making it more a DIY aspect. So very much answering all the questions that I would do in an in-person experience is covered on the video. Um, and then we um, pack frame kits. So where somebody wouldn't have to go out and buy all the elements themselves, we literally take that pain away and send it in a box and then they get the instructions and watch um, short step-by-step um, -step videos. So these workshops cover both online and in, in, person. in person. Yeah. And that's an area that you're going to grow. Yes. So it's um, it's already um, out there in the market. It's just growing that. Um, and it's also showing people how they can create furniture themselves from, from the comfort of their own homes and making it personal to them. And do you see yourself taking on more staff as a result of that? Yep, I would like to take um, somebody else on, which is almost like a little mini me, um, so they can help um, in be involved in workshops as well, so I can teach um, bigger groups. Um, so it's having really a good right-hand person. Well, we here at the CAT, we certainly hope you achieve all those goals this year, So and looking to the future. Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today, and, and thank you for coming into our studios and giving us a glimpse of how you started your business and where it's heading in 2024. Now, before we finish, tell our listeners where they can find more information about Semper Hopkins Upholstery and Interiors Limited. So you can get in contact either on email at hello at shupholstery.co.uk. We also have, have our website, which is shupholstery.co.uk. And I'm also on social media channels, which are LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Emma, thank you for coming on The Cat today. Thank you very much. Podcasts from The Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich.